Hello and welcome to the great. Um, this week we're doing something very different. <laughs> um, we have only McKenna here and myself um, because Chelsea could not be here. And we're doing a project for school. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, so we thought this would be a, a fun platform. Um, as everyone knows, we are currently in film school. Mm-hmm. And we thought a podcast, a discussion episode about our, our final term paper would be a little more interesting than a a normal essay. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing here today. Uh, this is for our queer cinema class, and we wanted to discuss queer representation in in media, um, specifically film and television. And we wanted to focus on the issue of who should be telling these stories. Should it be limited to only queer storytellers and filmmakers, or should non-queer artists be able to also tell these stories? Mm-hmm. So... The reason we thought this was an interesting topic to discuss was because there's very limited um, representation of queer characters in the media as is. Mm -hmm. And then when it is done, it's often done incorrectly or in a way that leans on negative stereotypes or is lazy. So we just thought it was an important issue to address. I also don't think like in our past two seasons, we've done anything with queer representation. So that's yeah. something where we're lacking. That's true. I'm trying to, well, I'm trying to think like this season we did Rocky Horror. Yeah, that's true. That's like the only thing I can think of. Oh, in like bonus rounds, I know we've mentioned some. Yeah. Like, but yeah, we. I don't think we've done like a full episode other than Rocky Horror on yeah. one. So um, yeah. that's, I think, something we also need to work on is yeah. that we're not <laughs> representing that in our, you know, media either. Yeah, that's true. So like, yeah, I guess leading off of that off the top of your head what are some good like queer media or lgbtq plus media that you've seen mm-hmm. or that you've enjoyed um i mean i did quite enjoy rocket man mm-hmm. um it's pretty fun and it, it is like a main focus of main i mean not really a main focus but it is like a, a main storyline in that film so that one i think is pretty good um i do enjoy rocky horror like i mentioned yeah i don't know i we watched portrait of lady on fire that one I did like. I did find that it was very uh, asmr <laughs> There's not that much talking in that movie. I liked it, but uh, it's so quiet in the theater. But yeah. that's fine. Um, and like, I mean, does Rent count? <laughs> that's a I, musical, but I there mean, is a movie. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I mean, it counts a little bit. It, yeah. is, it is a movie and it is a, it focuses strongly on LGBT mm-hmm. issues like the HIV, yeah. AIDS crisis, and transgendered individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think those are probably main ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, what about yourself? Um, <laughs> you guys know Portrait of a Lady on Fire is, is a favorite of mine. I yeah. really enjoyed it when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to watch a lot more television than I do movies. And yeah. I do find that representation, especially in like mainstream, like there's, there's probably a lot more indie movies that have queer representation yeah. that I just haven't seen or aren't nearly as accessible as as theater releases Mm -hmm. so i find television has a lot more representation um one of my favorite shows for queer representation that i actually recently rewatching is black sales Mm -hmm. um which spoiler alert if you haven't seen it (laughs) but the entire basis of the main character is his gay relationship and how he was prosecuted for it and Mm -hmm. he goes on this like he becomes a pirate basically (laughs) on the british government yeah but the main character is a is a gay man. Two of the main female leads are both um, bisexual, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's like 
most of the cast is queer basically actually i was just because you mentioned like tv shows i was just trying to think of stuff that i've seen like honestly this is so random but like steven universe which is like a kid's cartoon Mm -hmm. it is like entirely queer representation almost every character is queer and like it's done very well yeah um so like that that like weirdly enough actually has a ton of queer representation and i quite enjoy that um yeah I feel like TV shows do have a lot more, yeah. generally. I think it's a, a less risky platform. Yeah. Um, like, with TV, you can write in a queer character, and if it doesn't work, you can write them out. Mm-hmm. Whereas a film, you've kind of committed to that for the entirety of the film. Yeah. Um, which is kind of straying off our main topic, which is representation. Mm-hmm. And why it should... why How it can be done correctly, I guess I should say. Yeah. I guess, first off, like... While representation is obviously important, I think it's very important that it needs to be good representation. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it's actually more harmful than no representation at all, in my personal opinion. No, I, I think I agree with that. I mean, <laughs> if you're just portraying the same, like, negative stereotype over and over again, it's just, like, continuing to string that along instead of actually fixing it and, like, addressing the problem. Yeah. So... I guess first I'll do a little bit of the history of of queer representation in cinema. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of queer representation that wasn't super explicit um, at the start of cinema, kind of in the early 1900s, until the Hays Code came in, which banned any depiction of homosexuality in Hollywood productions. But after the Hays Code, it wasn't that queer representation disappeared, it just became a lot more subvert. Yeah. And... (laughs) In doing so, I think it created a lot of the negative stereotypes, or at least, like, cemented them into the film culture, mm-hmm. such as queer-coding villains and then using flamboyant gay men as punchlines, things like that. Um, I got a lot of this information from Chan Noriega's Something's Missing Here. Homosexuality and film reviews during the production code era. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that era, like, after the Hayes Code, like, I think that really really changed film and how queer representation was done for a very long time Mm -hmm. because we still see that today like the stereotypes of of gay men yeah that are that are limp and feminine and queer-coded villains i mean even even recently like if you look at marvel films thor ragnarok what's her name's character no kate blanchett's character um hella hella is like (laughs) she's very much a queer-coded villain like she's very given a lot of like predatory lesbian stereotypes things like mm-hmm. that so i mean even in 2019 when that came out yeah that's still happening yeah and i mean it's it's kind of one of those things where especially like the hollywood system once they get stuck to something it's like really hard for them to i mean yeah. it shouldn't be that hard for them to get out of it they yeah. could just change their ways most likely but that's never gonna happen because very, it's hollywood <laughs> very slow march yeah but like it, it's just they get stuck in their ways and then it's like that's just how they do it because they're like we're making money why would yeah. we change that? <laughs> so we kind of nailed down kind of three types of representation that we're seeing in modern day cinema, which is queer representation by queer storytellers, mm-hmm. queer representation by straight storytellers that's done well, yeah, and then queer representation by straight storytellers that's done in a negative or harmful fashion. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's starting to change, but for the most part, most queer representation is written directed and acted by straight people yeah especially the stuff that gets a lot of critical acclaim like if you look at recent oscar movies um danish girl dallas buyers club moonlight Moonlight, i believe yeah i think so (laughs) although moonlight i would say is an example of 
a pretty decently well done representation. Mm-hmm. Although it it is a story, a lot of queer representation, especially stuff done by straight filmmakers, relies on queer trauma mm-hmm. as a storyline. Yeah. Um, there's very few films where it's queer representation done in a happy or a uplifting way. It's almost always someone dying of AIDS or yeah. Facing homophobia in a very blatant and explicit way. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of strange because like you could just make like romance movies yeah. and just make make like a normal movie, but it's like every time someone decides to actually make a, a film with queer representation, they're like it has to have this dramatic like either traumatic event that happened that mm-hmm. like pushes the story forward or like something like that. Like it can never be like here's just a person yeah. falling in love with someone you I, know <laughs> i mean i know there's more that exists yeah but i have seen two queer rom-coms off the top of my head mm-hmm. one is i believe jenny's wedding mm-hmm. which is like a cute they're getting married rom-com. <laughs> yeah and then um happiest season which came out last christmas yeah with kristen stewart which is uh, again but the whole point of that film was this girl was still in the closet like it wasn't yeah. there was still like a lot of which is a common trope, I think. Like, Love, Simon does the same thing, yeah. where they use the, the closet as this very huge obstacle. Mm-hmm. Which it is. Yeah. But I think it it's the result of lazy writing by straight writers a lot of the time. Yeah, it's like, what's what's an issue that this person needs to face? Ah, coming out to their family. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all uh, we can think of. <laughs> issues that queer people face. Homophobia. Yeah. Homophobia. Uh, and homophobia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they, <laughs> Nothing else. I find they're often not... Um, well-rounded characters they give them one obstacle Mm -hmm. and then that's it that's it for the whole movie (laughs) and that's about it and then it usually has a happy ending but sometimes it doesn't (laughs) yeah and that's where it comes into the ones like something really drastic happening that's pushing the story so Um, yeah so that's like i mean queer representation done poorly i think a part of the problem too is like audiences particularly straight audiences don't realize it like yeah call me by your name was critically acclaimed mm-hmm. it had oscar nominations i don't know if it won any but it was i don't think it won any but i, I was also i was looking at the wikipedia before this because i was like because that movie was gigantic yeah and like it has like fan clubs like people absolutely love it it has so many followers and like it's kind of crazy to think like how many people just love it for watching it like they don't really know anything about it really or like any of the history of it or anything like that (laughs) it's a huge film like it it blew up it's critically acclaimed it's it's very well loved by straight audiences and um but in my research i've found a lot of people have spoken about how it actually portrays a pretty negative stereotype about Mm -hmm. um predatory great gay men yeah because the characters are 17 and 24 so it's a minor engaging in a relationship with an adult man who's chasing after him yeah and then the source material for that book, it was directed by a gay director, an openly gay man. Mm-hmm. But the source material was written by a straight man who has spoken openly <laughs> about finding 12-year-olds attractive. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, if this is what you're putting forward as representation of queer people, like it's, and that's what reaching a mainstream audience, it's not great. And that's why it's like... yeah. We're focusing on more the mainstream rather than the indie stuff that does exist. I mean, yeah, because for the the general audience, always the mainstream stuff is going to be, like, the most accessible, the things that you're going to think of right away. Yeah. And, like, the fact that something that big has such a, like, that is literally insane that, like, (laughs) the the writer was, like... Yeah, he, like, openly uh, gave an interview. Yeah, like, that. it's insane that that's 
like all, like kind of, I mean, I'm guessing that's like semi well known if he gave an interview. Yeah, and like it was an interview in uh, I believe either Italian or Spanish. Mm-hmm. It wasn't done in English, so I don't think it got a ton of English circulation, mm-hmm. which might be why. But he's also written a book about a 12-year-old and, like, a love story, I think. No, like, it, it's just kind of crazy, like, the fact that something like that can be so big, but, like, yeah. and, like, it's getting all this praise, but it's, like, what are you actually telling, like, what is the actual story, though? Because, I mean, even if that's not explicitly meant to be in the film... Like, even if the director was like, okay, well, it has this history, but we're just going to cut that out. It's still part of the history. It's still how it was written, you know? It's still the intention of it. So it's still just kind of strange, creepy. <laughs> not the greatest. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, like, on the other side of the coin, when you're looking at queer films made by queer artists, um, like the Jen Richardson show that we've talked about in class a few times. Mm-hmm who's a trans woman telling a story about a trans woman yeah. and dating in the queer dating scene. And that it's like a much more authentic, I think, storytelling. And I think it's, yeah. I think it's noticeable. Like when I watch a lot of queer stories that are told by straight people, I feel like I, I can tell. Yeah. You can probably like pretty easily guess just by watching things. Cause um, like they're very, I don't know. They're just, they're, they're a lot more like over the top. Like, I don't know if that's even the right way to put yeah. it, but, like, they're just more outward characters a lot of the time, Yeah, I would say. And, like, you're like, oh, well, there's the gay character, like, yeah. in something. A lot of the time it's, like, they're the the weird, quirky friend. And you're like, oh, it's the gay character of this. And it's like, well, this was probably written by a straight person. It's yeah. just like, we'll put that in there for representation. And it's like, mm, maybe get some help on that. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of queer films that were created by... Uh, queer filmmakers like we b- both discussed portrait of a lady on fire mm-hmm. um which i just feel like when i watched that in theaters i was like this is a genuine heartfelt love story yeah like, it felt very real it's really cute <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like i think there's a life experience that celine schema can bring to that that a straight director can't as easily yeah there's also the film the half of it which is a smaller film it was I think released only on Netflix. I might have done a few film festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was directed by Alice Wu, who's also a queer film director. And, yeah. like, that's a coming-of-age movie that I thought was, like, to compare it to Love, Simon. Yeah. Which are both coming-of-age movies, high school-age movies. I feel like, again, there's an authenticity that Love, Simon misses out on. Mm-hmm. I also think, like, going back to Portrait of Lady on Fire, like, when you even just look at the characters themselves, you can tell, like, the acting is even like it has so much more depth to it like you can see because that movie has a lot of just like very quiet no talking parts Mm -hmm. and like even in those scenes you can you can like feel the the tension in the room and like there's like underlying things in that film that like I don't think a straight director would be able to put in there because it's just not like experiences that they'd be able to bring and and help the actors kind of um yeah portray so like there's just like underlying things that there's not really in in some instances i don't think it's really at all possible for a straight director to come forward yeah and and like figure out yeah um with portrait of a lady on fire one of the actresses adele helen she's actually a lesbian and she had worked with celine on on a prior film and actually came out during her acceptance speech of an award at the czars which is the french version of the oscars yeah so i mean (laughs) they had a personable working relationship yeah um, but she is a queer, 
queer actress, too, mm-hmm. which I think brings something to the role. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Naomi Merlant, but let me look just to confirm that. Okay, I don't think she is, but okay. the one actress was, yeah. which I think is, you know, kind of kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I guess, so we've talked about poor representation. Mm-hmm. We've talked about good representation by queer filmmakers. Yeah. Um, okay, so, like, the last category that we wanted to talk about was Rocketman, which I haven't seen, but you said you you quite liked. Yeah. It was, like, one of the ones you brought up in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it follows his life, um, Elton John's life, <laughs> um, and it, it does follow heavily, like, his experiences of being queer and, um, and, um, becoming famous and like how all of that affected his life and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so like it is it is quite in depth and like it it, it does seem pretty genuine when you watch it and yeah. like so i did think it was pretty good <laughs> i think it's interesting because that is also a like it's a biopic it's based mm-hmm. on a real person yeah um but it was written and directed by by straight men yeah however obviously elton john was heavily involved in the process mm-hmm. and was brought in to consult on you know how the story was told so mm-hmm. he's lending his expertise and his experience um living as a gay man to the film yeah and i mean a biopic is like the like a prime example of like someone able to completely like bring their life into the film mm-hmm. and like share their experiences because yeah. it's literally his life obviously it's not 100 percent accurate because you really can never do that <laughs> entirely but like when he's giving his his all and like telling his story there's that's like the most genuine you can get really yeah and Um, i find a lot of queer queer media too there's like a lot of historical like milk obviously based on harvey milk Mm -hmm. um even bohemian rhapsody yeah freddie mercury was queer uh that's very demonized in the film which is odd because it is a queer director yeah um although brand singer is also a pedophile (laughs) like pretty proven pedophile mm. um but, I mean, even I did my first paper on Dallas Buyers Club, mm-hmm. which is considered a queer film because it has a, a transgendered character yeah. or a cross-dresser played by a cis straight man. And it's about this this man with HIV AIDS, um, and he's portrayed as very homophobic in the film. And, mm-hmm. he, and he's kind of, you know, villainized, or not villainized, but his whole journey is realizing that he can't be homophobic and everyone's normal. But in real life, that man... A real person was queer and they erased his queerness for this film because it was yeah. a better story so that's i think it's interesting like it's still a real life it's a biopic in comparison to rocket man and mm-hmm. how one did it well and yeah. one did it very poorly yeah one it's like well we're gonna ignore everything you say and just do whatever we want to make it a good story and one is like we're gonna actually portray this like this person's life yeah and, and i mean this 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 yeah it gets into this, the discussion of like how how it is possible for um queer stories to be told by straight people but it's just the intention and like how um how they go about it like are you getting people to come in to consult is it just you writing it and is your intention just to make a film because you want to mm-hmm. like like what's your intention behind it and um what that means when you're actually putting it out there yeah like um, i think it's definitely a thing where if you ask some people they will say hard no you need to be part of the lgbtq plus community to mm-hmm. tell queer stories whereas other people will say no it's fine any representation is representation yeah um but i think it's there's no yes or no answer to this i think it's a very it's an ambiguous gray area and it just depends on like in the end what is the product you're putting out mm-hmm. 
Because you can go into something with the best intentions, but if you don't have the knowledge or experience, you can still create a bad project. Yeah. Um, but if you go in and do the work, like, you might create something beautiful. Yeah. And, I mean, also, it's it's important to bring up the fact that, like, in general, straight um, writers and directors tend to get a lot more chances mm-hmm. to produce something rather than queer dr- writers and directors and producers and everything like that. Like, it's just they get a lot more chances, so, like... I don't know, like... No, I know what you're saying, like... I don't know how to put it, but... It's it's not that straight directors shouldn't be able to tell these stories or whatever. It's just that so often queer directors are passed over for straight directors. And it's like, before you can open the playing field up to everyone, you need to make sure that that team has gotten a chance to play, basically. Like, once once the landscape of Hollywood has become more equitable, Mm -hmm. I can understand being like, yeah... People should tell the stories they want to tell, but right now that's not where Hollywood is at. Yeah. And I think it's important to look at that context mm-hmm. when you're talking about, no, they shouldn't be able to tell this story. It's like, they can, but it, are they the best person to tell that story yeah. is maybe the better question. Yeah, because, like, it's it's not necessarily that you absolutely shouldn't. It's like, well, is there someone who is just as capable, is ready to do the project, and is right there? Yeah. It's, it's probably better for them to do it if they actually are qualified rather than just being like, oh, you're the first person we found. You kind of qualify. We'll just let you do it. Yeah. Like, give chances to people, pretty much. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so we've talked about what queer representation is, mm-hmm. uh, what good representation is, what bad representation is, what we think. Um, okay. Should we end it? Yeah, I guess we can end it. So uh, thank you for listening to our special podcast episode this week. Um, if you want to find us on any social media, so you can find us on Instagram at cinda.grade or on Twitter at cinda.grade um, so that you can keep up with us and let us know how you feel about any films that we do in other podcasts or uh, any thoughts about this episode. Um, and if you wanted any more information about what we're talking about, all of our information is in the show notes. So you can go check those out. I guess that's it for this week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.